Green Junkies. This is Stephanie Moram, your host. And today we're going to be talking about sustainable packaging. We have Corey Connors on today. He helps companies improve the sustainability of their packaging. After 24 years in the industry, he is working hard to spread this positive message. He's happily married with two great kids in the beautiful state of Oregon. So we have Corey. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join me today to talk about sustainable packaging. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You are very welcome. So I think the first question I have for you today is, how did you get involved in this? How did you get involved in the sustainable packaging world? Oh, great question. And uh, it's, you know, it's a long story. I'll try to make it as concise as possible for this audience, because I'm sure they don't want to hear about when I was born and all the background details. Uh, But I went, I got into packaging kind of by mistake, really. I I graduated high school, didn't want to go to college right away. I knew I wouldn't make good decisions in college. I wasn't there yet mentally to buckle down and do uh, work hard. So I went and got a full-time job. Uh, I applied for two, uh, one at Les Schwab Tires and one at Warehouser Packaging uh, and got got them both and chose Warehouser because I didn't have to shave my goatee. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I worked there for five years, paid my way through college, and it was awesome experience learning how to make corrugated boxes and uh, and work in all the different kinds of machinery that uh, produces corrugated from paper all the way to finished product. Then I went to college, uh, got my degree in advertising and wanted to make commercials. That didn't work out because when I graduated college, no one was hiring for advertising. Uh, and I f- went to a job market on campus or a, they had a job fair on campus and there was a packaging company there called Landsberg or actually at the time it was called Kent H. Landsberg. This is 19 years ago now. And they hired me because of my background in packaging (laughs) and several family members who had been successful in sales. So I think it just kind of worked out, but I've been there ever since. I never thought I would stay this long. I never thought I would enjoy it this much. And I love it. It's different every day. Packaging is amazing. It affects us all every single day. And we have no idea how much it's, it's how important it is to us. I I love that story that you've been with them for so long (laughs) since college. That is so awesome. So we're going to dive into sustainable packaging. But before we do, my question for you is at home as a family, do you guys live more green? Do you guys keep the earth in mind when you're making everyday decisions? What is it that you guys do as a family to be more mindful of of the earth? Yeah. So one of my nicknames is corrugated uh, because my name is Corey and I work in corrugated. Uh, that was the name given to me at Warehouser. And my my kids and my wife will say, is this corrugated approved when I when we buy something? And so they, <laughs> they're looking for, is it sustainable enough? Is it recyclable? Is it, is it the greenest choice possible? Uh, so we have just by living this way, to answer your question, yes, we are as green as we can be. And living in this great state of Oregon, uh, we have a lot of capability of recycling. We have a lot of ability of farm direct purchasing, things like that. 
local farmers markets. We have a company called Ridwell that helps us recycle things that our local municipality won't. Uh, they take our plastic overwrap films and thermoform trays and things like that. So they get actually recycled and uh, it's a local service that picks them up. And so, yes, the answer is absolutely as green as we can be. That's awesome. So going into sustainable packaging, um, one question I have for you is what is the best packaging innovation you've ever seen? I think the one that really um, kind of blew me away was a product called Geami, G-E-A-M-I. And what that is, is it's a paper alternative to bubble wrap. Hmm. Yeah, it was my first viral TikTok video um, <laughs> showing that product. I think it's got like 500,000 views or something. And just back then it was like, wow, that's so amazing. But it uh, it works and it's very popular now. And it's replacing uh, the plastic packaging. So is that particular packaging, it's instead of using bubble wrap, they wrap yes. up their whatever, their glass jar or whatever it is that they're, they're right. selling, they wrap it up in the paper instead? Yeah. So it's die cut. And when you pull on it, it uh, expands and creates 3D, like a three-dimensional product. It makes the cells, the air cells, and this this system that I have is called the Wrap Pack EX Mini, and it it's a it's an easy thing to get if you have a small business or um, you have a whole bunch of packing stations for your company. You don't need a machine. You do, you just pull on the paper and it expands, and then you wrap up your product, and it's got a roll of tissue inside of it to to protect uh, the the finish of whatever you're wrapping. Oh, that's awesome. I love hearing about different packaging um, that's offered that's less plastic, yeah. <laughs> which, which comes to my next question about plastic. So do you feel that plastic packaging can be sustainable? Yeah, well, I guess that depends on what your definition of sustainable is. And I think right. that's that's the biggest question here is, what do you feel is sustainable? Does it mean we can recycle it? Does it mean uh, we can reuse it? The answer is plastic can be re- can be sustainable if it's if it's done correctly, and right. if if it's advertised on the plastic what it is. I think a lot of this issue we're having with recycling is an education issue. Frankly, our consumers don't know what to do with the material because they don't know what it is. So my constant advice to companies is put the number on there. What is it? How do we recycle it? What can we do with it next time? Can we reuse it? Can we turn it into Trex decking? Can we grind it up again and turn it into new bottles? You know, what's, what's the secret here? Too often we don't, we don't, there's no markings on it. Right. And so Corey and I actually met on Clubhouse, which is an app where you can have conversations. And one of the things I remember you saying at one point, because I I don't like plastic. I, right. I'm always looking for alternatives <laughs> to plastic as much as possible. But I love what you said. I can't remember the exact wording that you used, but you said, even if plastic is the only alternative for whatever is being shipped, because the glass jar might break or something might break, it's more sustainable that the 
whatever you ordered actually arrives at the destination versus if you ship some glass jars and you think, well, I'm going to use paper or I'm going to use something else. And then it arrives broken. It's actually less sustainable because the actual product broke and now the company has to reship it. So then there's that, you know, imprint on the environment of shipping a product twice. So it's also finding that balance, I think, too. Yes, finding different ways to package your stuff outside of plastic. And if it's not possible, it's to make sure that product gets to you in one piece because you don't want to ship it twice. Right. So yeah, well, said. I think, and, and that's like the one thing that I remember, I was like, when you <laughs> said that, I was like, it wasn't, it was like mind blowing, even though I already knew that <laughs> it just like reaffirmed, like, yes, plastic isn't amazing, but sometimes there's no alternative. And if the alternative to not using plastic is that the products break, then you're not more far ahead, right? So in your sustainability packaging world, I'd love you to talk about a little bit about different things that you might recommend companies to do or um, when you're consulting companies on packaging. I'd love you to dive in a little bit on that and really talk about packaging and what it is that you recommend companies to do when it comes to, to packaging. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, there are there are some things that can be done immediately to make instant positive changes on packaging, and, that, and I honestly recommend calling a, a packaging engineer, a packaging company like a Landsberg Aurora that I work for, someone like that uh, locally to you. And we do have 55 locations in North America, so I'm sure there's a division close to you. Uh, but uh, I think it's critical that you take a look at what you're doing and you you minimize your packaging as much as possible without taking it too far to risk damage. Like you just said earlier, uh, there's nothing sustainable about damaged freight and because it that becomes landfill and then you have to refill the order and then you have an upset customer, which will lead to less business in the future. So uh, minimize your packaging to the point where you're still comfortable that it's going to arrive safely. But you don't need huge amounts of void fill in a box. If you can right-size the package, uh, you'll save a lot of money on on materials and on freight, and it will be more sustainable. So there's that's kind of the, the trifecta right there. Those three things will make you more successfully sustainable in in my opinion. And, you know, just looking at, can we use mono material? Can we, can we make this fully out of corrugated? Can we make this fully out of paper or can we make sure if it has to be plastic or foam that that material is recyclable and clearly identify that to your consumer so that they can easily dispose of it properly. old gods have fallen and the world descends into turmoil but amidst nations rallying their armies a nefarious cult hell-bent on chaos and the new gods attempting to seize control of it all a spark of hope arises we are the agents of repair and we vow to contest these evils to make the world a better place no matter what stands in our way Listen to Venture Forth, a D&D podcast across all podcasting platforms.
And I love how you talk about like dispose of it properly. Um, you mentioned it at the beginning. It's just, I think it's so important for companies to take responsibility for the waste that they're creating. So if it is plastic to clearly put on the packaging, what number it is. So at least they can go to their recycling facility and be like, okay, this is number four plastic and check, can it actually be recycled instead of just assuming it can be recycled? And I also think when it comes to other packaging materials to take the time to put on the package, if it can actually be recycled, right? It's so funny. (laughs) Um, Recently I had someone come over and they had like a plastic bag, but it was like not a traditional plastic bag that you get at the grocery store or a traditional plastic bag that you might, excuse me, that you might get to put your produce in. It was like that crinkly, weird plastic. Yeah. Um, and the company put recyclable on it. Yes. Yeah. In theory, it is recyclable, but no one is really recycling that type of plastic. So it's just so maddening to me that a big company, because it was a big company that put recyclable and the woman's like, here, I can put this in the recycling. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you can't. <laughs> <laughs> because most recycling management systems like don't actually take plastic bags. They have to have special machinery for that. Right. So on top of that, I know my local recycling place does not take that type of plastic bag. It clearly says it on the website. So it just, it gets under my skin that a company puts it's recyclable in theory, almost everything is recyclable. It's just, are there systems in place to recycle that actual product? And most of the time, not most of the time, but a lot of the time it can be no, because it's just maybe not worth it for a company to recycle it. So when it comes to plastic, I love how you say that, like the company needs to clearly have on their packaging, like what number this plastic is just so that if they can recycle it, they actually will recycle it. Right. Yeah. I'd rather have a company be upfront and honest and say, this is landfill. Right. Uh, You know, I received a package the other day that had a number seven with a triangle around it and it was plastic and it wasn't even a recycle symbol. It was a triangle. And I was so mad. I made a video about it because I was just upset that these guys are greenwashing and trying to make because people think, oh, it's got a triangle that's recyclable. Right. People are just uh, conditioned to assume that that goes in the recycle bin. Now, that's the worst case scenario for packaging because people will put it in their recycle bin and it will gum up the system. It will get in the the system and cause problems for the recyclers. I'd rather have that just go to the landfill. It's okay. You, you chose that as a uh, packaging material. Just own up to it and say, sorry, guys, this one's landfill. We'll do better next time. You know? Right. And it's taking that responsibility. And I, if something is not recyclable and you put it in the recycling, it causes more damage yes. <laughs> to the machinery, right? Like totally. if you put plastic bags in the recycling and it's not supposed to be in the recycling, then it slows down the recycling. It slows down, you know, their daily production. It just causes a host of problems. And I just, I like what you said, how like companies need to own up, you know, yeah. and stop. And the other thing that I feel is so important too, is to stop passing the buck onto the consumer. You know what I mean? If you truly want to make products that are more sustainable, can be recycled, can be composted, can be reused, whatever that is, then do it. And not just be like, oh, I put a number six on it. So I did my job. Well, it's more than just putting the recycling sign of number six on it, right? We both know that. My question for you, when you said there was a triangle on it, was it like a random triangle or was it the actual like 
it wasn't the actual recycling triangle that you see on all plastic. No, it was no. obviously greenwashed <laughs> and it was the designer just put a triangle around it with a number seven, which as we know means other, which, <laughs> which means not going to get recycled unless, unless you go to somewhere like a TerraCycle that's right. really going to mechanically or, or chemically recycle it. Um, I mean, they're even recycling cigarette butts. That's a whole different thing. I, I interviewed them. I couldn't believe it. Uh, it's incredible what they're doing. But we need people to own up to what they're making. And we need consumers to know how to recycle properly. Right. And what do you think about compostable packaging? Because I, I like compostable packaging, but... A, what do you think about it? And do you think sometimes it's causing more harm than good because people don't know how to dispose of it properly? Yeah, I think it's a big issue right now. People are confused by it. They assume, they see, um, I'm seeing a lot of symbols on packaging that say compostable. And I, Adam Peak posted one the other day that said, this cup is compostable in four years. And it had this huge print on the <laughs> side of it. I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, come on. So you, <laughs> that's your advertising that you're compostable in four years. To me, that's a problem because people will see that and they'll say, oh, it's recyclable. And the way they made the logo. Um, so there's a lot, we're, we're a long ways from where we need to be as far as education. And that's on the company side and the consumer side. People don't know how uh, that affects society when you say it's compostable. A lot of people assume it's recyclable. And I'm a, I'm a fan of compostable if it's done correctly and it's identified correctly and it's available where you're, where you're selling. So if it's curbside compostable and you've got a pickup system for it and you can industrially compost it, that's a great idea. Love it. That's awesome. But most of the time, it's not working effectively. And I like how you talked about curbside composting. It's not readily available to everybody still in most yeah. places. So it's great that companies are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to use compostable cups. I'm going to yeah. use compostable straws, all these things. But then it's like, they're doing good. They they really do think that they're doing good. And I do, do truly believe that these companies are like, it's better than regular plastic. Yeah. But what happens is, as you just said, people think it's also recyclable, but yeah. it's not. So it comes to the compostable plastic bags. Like I get, I order my food, all my produce from a local rooftop farm here in Montreal. Oh, cool. And they come in compostable bags. Do I love that they come in bags? Not really. But I'd rather get my food that's like, you know, 10 kilometers away versus ordering from California. You know what I mean? Right. Even right. though I could get them without plastic bags, still the imprint, like the, the footprint, the environmental footprint is still less me getting my food locally. So they come in compostable bags. But most people probably that receive those bags do not understand that you can't mix compostable plastic bags with regular plastic bags. So if you're a local recycling facility accepts plastic bags and then you mix them, that just causes a whole other problem too. So, right. <laughs> you know, so I know they can't be composted. So I keep them and I put them aside and I don't add them to my pile of plastic bags that we can recycle here. So I think they, every, the companies have good intentions. I yes. just think that the system is 
kind of broken. <laughs> Agreed. And I think it'll change. It's, it's changing quickly. There's going to be laws of extended producer responsibility. There'll be a recycled material will continue to increase in value with the onset of extended producer responsibility. That's happening right now. Um, Unilever, Pepsi, this, these companies are buying up all the post-consumer recycled material. What does that mean to us? It means that companies are going to push for, for us to recycle and they're going to make their material, their packaging out of recyclable materials in, in my opinion. And uh, hopefully that will help us. Yeah. And, you know, it's also different states and provinces, like you said, having the different rules in place, like here in Quebec, we get five cents a can, we get five cents a plastic bottle. So the average person is kind of, oh, well, I just bring it back where I bought my product. So if I'm buying a soft drink or whatever, I keep a bag. And then when I go buy my next one, I just bring it with me and I make 50 cents and I get 50 cents off my next product. Right. And I think that's like a good incentive. And they're actually going to be doing that for, um, I'm going blank right now, but you know, the, the milk cartons and like the almond milk cartons and stuff like that, they're introducing that now because it's not super recyclable. They're like my local recycling facility does accept them. So I can put them in the recycling, but not everywhere accepts those cardboard because they're not essentially completely cardboard, right? They're, yeah, they're the wax got a lot. There's a lining, right? So they're actually introducing, I don't know exactly when, but hopefully it's going to be soon. They're going to be introducing like, hey, you get five cents back if you bring back your almond milk container or your milk container or whatever that is, because by separating it, it actually makes the recycling process better. So by eliminating yes. all the pla- like as many plastic bottles from our recycling that have like the five cent sign on it, by eliminating the, you know, as many aluminum cans from the recycling and then now illuminating the, you know, the milk cartons, then in the recycling, there's less of that. And then the recycling process is better. So it's, it's these innovations and these changes in our recycling that is definitely going to be better. The number one recycled consumer item in the world is car batteries. Oh, wow. The reason for that is because of their huge core value. So when you go when you go get a new battery, your old battery is worth money. So that's why it's the number one recycled item in the world is because it has so much value. They've taken the deposit idea, the five cent idea, and take, taken it all the way to the extreme. I think you can get over twenty dollars for for these car batteries, which is incredible. And new car batteries are made out of eighty percent old car batteries. So it's it's one of the most recycled things in the world uh, or the most recycled consumer item in the world. So it's proving what you're saying about the deposit. If we make the the material valuable, people will recycle it. Oh, for sure. And even reuse it. So yes, we get I don't personally drink milk, but my family does. And we get grass fed milk in a glass jar. And for the longest time, I was just holding on to them because I can't put glass in the recycling. (laughs) I feel really bad. (laughs) You're hoarding glass. I know you. Right. (laughs) And then I found out I'm being charged $2 every time I buy this milk and then I can bring them back. So I brought back like 40 bottles. I was like, (laughs) here you go. And they're like, uh, I'm like, yeah, I didn't know that I could bring them back. And I didn't know you were charging me $2. So it's even (laughs) that kind of stuff, right? Where that company is like, this glass is valuable. I don't want to keep buying glass over and over again. If I can get like 
whatever percentage of the consumers to give me back my glass jars, then I don't have to buy more. I just have to buy the cap. (laughs) And you're creating a loyalty system. You're creating a dedicated consumer. You know, they're going to come back to you every time. You're not going to go buy the other milk because it's 11 cents cheaper. You're going to buy that milk because that's what you're used to. You've got the deposit. It's, it's a, you know, I just interviewed loop uh, packaging. That's what they're doing. It's incredible. I can't wait They're The first store is opening or the first systems opening next week. It's exciting. You know, we'll be able to buy our, our products in reusable containers. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's great that stuff is recyclable, but reusing is obviously better because you're reusing the, the same product over like the same container over and over again. Right. It's yes. instead of being like, oh yes, glass is recyclable. We know that, but wouldn't it's, I just, I cry every time I see glass in the recycling just because yeah. it's not plastic, you know, and it can be reused so many times. Um, I remember when we were living in the U S and uh, I can't remember where it was. I think it might've been in, we were living in Augusta, Georgia and I had to bring the recycling to the recycling facility. They didn't do pickup where we lived. Yeah. So I had to hold on to my recycling for like weeks upon weeks. And then you had to separate your glass, but you know, this is where the glass goes. And I would see all these beer bottles and I'm like, JP, <laughs> we need to get a truck and bring these back home. We'll have so much money, <laughs> like just showing you that, you know, yeah. beer companies here in Quebec they take back their bottles because they reuse them. They're not recycling them. They're reusing them. And that's why I think my husband and I, JP, we talk so much about like the different like like cans and bottles and how having companies using the same size bottles instead of trying to be different is actually better. So, you know, kombucha companies, there's a gazillion kombucha companies in Quebec and in Canada, and they all want to stand out and they all want to be different. So some use cans, some use bottles, but they're not like, all the same bottles. So it's really hard to, to change between companies where beer companies, they're all using the exact same ones. So whether it's like Bud Light or, you know, um, Molson using the beer bottle doesn't matter because they're all using the same one. So it's also to change companies and to understand that like, yes, different is good. But if all kombucha companies use the exact same glass bottle, then any company could use that glass bottle. Yes. To reuse. Standardizing packaging is a key. That was the word I was looking for. Standardizing. Yeah. yeah. It's such it's such a big key to the future of sustainability, in my opinion. So well, well said. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I and I think, you know, it's a conversation I have with JP all the time when we're talking about cans and glass and better packaging, you know. And he was saying, like, if kombucha companies would just try to stop being different <laughs> and go like beer, then right. things would things then they could all reuse their own bottles. So we were talking about composting. So yeah. I wanted to kind of just talk, take a couple minutes, talk about biodegradable and composting because yeah. they're not the same thing. And I just bought something because my son loves a certain hummus because apparently I don't make hummus correctly and it's just chickpeas <laughs> and tahini. But anyways, another story. <laughs> and he loves this certain hummus. So I picked up the packaging and I'm like, it says biodegradable. I'm like, seriously, seriously. <laughs> everything is biodegradable. So I'd love for you to maybe talk about that, you know, because it has to do with packaging, right? And what companies are putting on their products. So compostable versus biodegradable. So eventually biodegradable will be illegal to say, 
on packaging. Good. It already <laughs> is in Australia. <clears throat> Excuse me. It already is trending that way in California. And what California does, uh, the rest of the U.S. often uh, follows quickly behind with their Truth and Labeling Act that's coming out soon. Uh, you won't be able to say biodegradable because we all know that's kind of BS. And it's just, you know, let's be honest with our consumers. Well, what are we really? Tr- what are we really saying here? We're saying it eventually will break down. Well, that's true. That's true for everything, literally everything. <laughs> so <laughs> even styrofoam is biodegradable after. I don't know how many million years or whatever, but uh, it's it's ridiculous that people would say that on packaging. Uh, so we're working hard to to change that and standardize it and make it backyard compostable. Uh, I think that'll be the new kind of catchphrase. Although I don't know about you, but I'm not going to put plastic bags in my garden. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm I'm going to hope that there's industrial composting available. Uh, locally. And that's improving. I'm seeing that grow more and more. So I think we'll see, we'll see two factions. We'll see recycling improve and composting improve. And that'll be, um, uh, you know, different ways of getting it to an, an industrial composting facility. Right. And like, like you said, backyard composting. So there's backyard composting and then there's like industrial composting. And that's also there's also a difference between that just because something yeah. is in quotations compostable doesn't mean it's going to bio, sorry, it's not going to break down as quickly in your backyard. It's not great for your backyard. I remember when, um, when I was still really learning about composting again, I was living in the U S and I didn't have composting available to me. So I would shop at whole foods and I asked them, can I bring my composting to you? And they're like, Okay. That was before they actually had <laughs> composting like bins available to the consumers. It was actually behind the cash, the composting. So you oh, couldn't wow. just go and compost. It was when we were in uh, Arlington, Texas. So I went and saw the manager. I'm like, I really want to compost. Um, there's nowhere for me to compost. Can I bring my compost to your store? She <laughs> looked at me funny. <laughs> she was like, sure, we industrial compost, so not a problem. And they actually gave me compostable bags. And they said, I love that you like to put your compost in a bin, but that's not going to work for you to dump it in our compost. She's like, just, she just said, here's some compostable bags. When you come to Whole Foods, bring your bag. And you know, the person behind the counter will happily put it in the compost bin for you. So that was how I started composting was really Whole Foods opening up and saying, yeah, sure. And that's when I started learning about industrial composting versus backyard composting. It's it's not the same thing because I mean, would you like to explain the difference? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very energy intensive um, industrial composting. I've seen um, videos about it, and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of uh, effort. They have to make sure all the temperatures are are consistent and correct, and you have to get the material up to a certain temperature, but not too hot. Uh, so there's a lot of turning it over. There's a lot of aerating. There's a lot of, you, you kind of have to spend a lot of time essentially turning it over to actually make the, the material break down again and turn it into something that could be used in a garden or something in your yard or something like that for the future. Whereas backyard compostable, you're supposed to be able to just throw it in your backyard into a pile and it's going to compost eventually, (laughs) which to me, I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of stuff that actually does that, but um, 
I haven't researched it a lot. I've had a few companies reach out to me and want me to promote their stuff. And I just, I don't know. I can't do it until I really know it works. Do you mean companies that are saying their product can be put in the backyard to be composted? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's important that we differentiate between backyard compostable and industrial compostable. I think that that'll be part of the truth in lab labeling act that'll, that'll take place here, especially with uh, the onset of extended producer responsibility. And I think it's, it's important. I think if you are making a package that is compostable, you know, like for plastic, we have one to seven again, I did a whole episode on the numbers. You can go listen to it just because there's a number on it doesn't actually mean it's going to get, it's going to get recycled, but at least the numbers there. So you have an idea. So with composting, it would be good to have some sort of like universal identification, at least in North America, where if it's a C with a one, (laughs) it's industrial (laughs) and a C with a two, again, maybe something a little bit easier for the consumer, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this is industrial compost. I have compost, my company, my company, my town compost. Okay. That goes in there. Oh, there's a two on it. I can put it in my backyard. So I think that will help the consumer go, where can I put this? Where, what bin should I put it in? Should I put in the backyard or do I put it in my, my local composting? And, and I would love to see that happen. And like you said, in California with the truth and labeling, once they started, it's going to start snowballing and, you know, hopefully Canada is going to start picking up on some stuff because, I love composting. It's I I really, truly love it. It's just, if the system's broken, it doesn't work and we're, it's just getting put in the landfill. So we need to have like more truth on, on our labeling. And what do you think of, you know, the different companies um, that have come out with like, you know, Pila is one example. They have compostable. I have it. It's, you know, the they have compostable blue light blocking glass are compostable, but they came out originally with to protect your phone, you know, the back of your phone. I don't even know. what. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what are those called? Yeah. Um, you know, you put on your phone and then they also have like a little slip that you can stick your finger in. And they recently created uh, a little compostable machine and they're telling their consumers put your when the when your back of your phone, you know, the your protection, your phone case, there we go, phone case, is no longer usable, it's broken down, or anything else that they sell, just put it in our little Pila compost machine, machine, and then you can put it in your backyard. So again, it is like, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen them. It's not like a hard plastic. It's almost like... How do I say that? It's like, it's like a bendy plastic. (laughs) I don't know all my plastics, but so what do you think about companies? You know, they're taking responsibility by saying, Hey, we sell you this machine, but what do you think of companies that are telling their consumers to put stuff like that? Like, you know, their phone case or your blue light blocking glasses into your backyard composting. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's great if it's work, if it works, you know, (laughs) it's, I haven't tested it. I'm very hesitant with backyard compostable. You know, we do grow our own food in our garden and I I don't know that I would be comfortable putting plastic or even if it says it's biodegradable or compostable or uh, bio-based materials or whatever it says, you know, I'm a skeptic when it comes to that stuff. I need to see that it works. I, you know, um, and there are people that are successfully making 
plastics out of things like chitin, uh, which are seashells and uh, seaweed and things like that. I've interviewed companies that are totally 100% based on this concept and they're doing really well. Um, and they see that it, the potential is huge. But I think what we all need to remember is that the plastics industry has a 60 year head start on all of us. And we, you know, we're working to to change like in in a record amount of time uh, to something totally new. And so it needs to be tested. We need to check it out. Right. And, you know, I'm all for composting my backyard, like my plastic bags and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't want it leaching in my food. (laughs) Right. So it's almost like I need to have like this is the compost pile for stuff that I don't want in my food. And then this is the compost pile for the stuff that I just put like my banana peels and stuff like that. But again, the average person is not me and they won't do stuff like that. They'll stick their plastic bags. They'll stick their Pila case, which again, I'm happy that that option is there to compost it. But then now we need to think about, okay, we're telling consumers that they can compost all these things, but then they start using it in their food. And this stuff is going to stay in the soil. So if we're growing carrots and they're using, I don't know what in their plastic bag and it's compostable and that's great, but maybe there's something in that plastic that we shouldn't be ingesting. And now it's in our carrots, right? So it's like, again, it's the system. It's, it's like you said, you know, plastic has a 60 year head start on us (laughs) and we're trying to like make these changes rapidly and consumers are trying to figure it out. Right. And a lot of people are not like me and you, where we're maybe doing that extra research and really looking into things. So it's almost like a lot of how the system functions just needs to be easy. Like it can't be complicated. It can't be. That's the secret. We have to make it easy for the consumer to recycle. In my opinion, recycling is, is safer. It's easier to understand. Um, You know, compostable is, is great. If, if it works. Um, but we understand that recycling can work and it's, it's proven itself. And if consumers have it available curbside uh, or by a company like Ridwell or Recyclops that can actually pick it up, that's the future of sustainability right there, in my opinion. Right. Well, this has been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. We're going to have to do this again because yes. I have like 5 million more questions for you. <laughs> we'll do it, it once a month. Let's do it. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, and if you are looking to connect with Corey, um, I'm going to give him a couple minutes. I would love for you to tell the Green Junkie audience about your podcast. You have a podcast. I'd love you to take a couple yeah. minutes and let them know where they can find it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's available on uh, Apple and Spotify and Google and iHeartRadio. It's called Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. That's C-O-R-Y-C-O-N-N-O-R-S. And uh, it's really taken off. I, I didn't have a lot of grand visions for it, uh, but we've already passed 5,000 downloads uh, in just uh, seven months, which is, I'm, I don't know how to uh, compare that to anything, but it sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> uh, and it, it's getting a lot of, I think the best part is I get to meet people like you and I get to meet people that are making positive changes and doing big things in this industry and uh, influencing people in a positive way without 
the focus on their financial gain. It's it's really exciting to interview companies like Trex and like Ridwell and uh, all of these companies that are making huge efforts to uh, improve the sustainability of the world. And uh, it's exciting. Well, thank you for being here. You can find Corey's podcast, like you said, it's called Sustainable Packaging. He also has a website, CoreyGated.com. You can find him on LinkedIn. You can find him on Instagram and TikTok. I'm going to link that all in the show notes. So you you. can go listen to his podcast. You can go binge um, all his TikToks. They're really, really awesome. So thank you so much, Corey, for being here. I hope that everybody learned a little bit more about sustainable packaging. And I'll see you next Tuesday, Green Junkie. Thank you, Stephanie.